0: This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. Boy,
1: well, we got a lot to do today on the show. We'll be turning our attention to basketball a little bit later. And why not? It's the story that everybody's talking about. Everybody's talking about Donovan Mitchell. Is he coming? Is he not coming? Who's going? Is it R.J. Barrett? Is it Mitchell Robinson? Is it 105 draft picks? Will the Knicks have any picks over the next decade? A lot of conversation. there. And, of course, we'll talk about the Knicks as well because – You know, even though Kevin Durant has asked to be traded, it doesn't look like that may happen anytime soon because how do the Nets get the proper compensation for whom many consider maybe the best player in the NBA right now? So we'll have Steve Popper of of Newsday and Brian Lewis of of the New York Post, respectively, tackle those issues, but that's later in the show. In the beginning, let's talk a little baseball. 1-800-919-3776. I begin with the New York Mets. And I must say to you that I am in a little less apprehensive mood than I was a week ago. And even though the standings don't dictate that there is a lot of distance still between the Mets and Atlanta, because Atlanta keeps winning, because Atlanta, hey, get this, is a really good baseball team, because Atlanta, understand this, and Mets fans will tell you, are always in the rearview mirror when it comes to the playoffs. When it comes to the division, they're always around. It's never comfortable. It's never, oh, we got a big lead over Atlanta. Even when we had a double-digit lead, I said to you, Atlanta's not been heard from. They're going to be heard from. They're a very good baseball team. And they're still playing well. And the Mets have done what the Mets were supposed to do. They've... Went into Chicago, and they have handled the Cubs, including a doubleheader sweep yesterday. Yes, both games went into extra innings. I don't care. <laughs> you came out with the win. And that's what good teams do, right? Good teams go in, and they dominate teams they are better than. That's what Atlanta has done. That's what the Mets are doing. That's even what the Yankees have done. And we'll talk about the Yankees a little bit later, but listen, when you understand that everybody in that division with the Yankees is over 500, including the Baltimore Orioles, that's saying a lot. So yesterday the Mets win in straight sets, extra innings. They played well, timely hits, which is something they had been struggling with the home runs. Listen, it's not a dominant home run team, but nevertheless, when they, when they needed them, they've had them. And the pitching has been great. And once again, Max Scherzer has shown you why he, and I know some of you have this issue about players' salaries, but he has shown you why he is worth every penny of every dollar that he is, he is being paid. Because he has come in and he has really kind of settled that rotation down. And understanding that, and for me, it's tempered excitement. For you, you could be out of your mind excited. It's okay. For me, because that's the kind of fan I am. For me, there's tempered excitement about Jacob Degrom coming back because I just don't know what Degrom I'm getting. All right. If it's the same Degrom that I've seen in the minors, great. I'm extremely happy. If it's the same Degrom that has dominated the major leagues, including back-to-back Cy Youngs, I'm ecstatic. Ecstatic. But I got to wait and see. So right now, going into this break, the Mets have an opportunity with another win today to be just sit back and relax during the break and just calm down and enjoy the day off because enjoy the time off because this team is worn down. There's no question about it. You don't believe me? Listen to Buck Sherwalter, who was very happy after a doubleheader win in Chicago.
2: Those are games that good teams win, you know regardless and uh you know we think we've got you know a good club and uh it's real proud of everybody there's so many opportunities there to give in, you know, and just said, okay, just something may not be there or whatever and you know eski had a big night force offensively, I thought he was going to get a second uh thought it was a, might flip one in a gap and get a second cycle. We were kidding about it. And I, he told me later so I don't know if I could have made it the third day <laughs> he, he had a very busy day. Yeah, I, I never lose really sight. You know, Lindor, he's just posting up every day for us. And uh, Nemo, Escobar Pete, and uh, those are hard-fought games. They're, you know, guys are, you know, not running on a full tank right now. And we got one more. We'll try to get tomorrow and get a much-deserved break for these guys.
1: That will be for a weekend sweep of Chicago. That would be outstanding, obviously. And other things that were great yesterday. Taiwan Walker has been phenomenal the past month, six weeks. It's been great. He has been great. Now, here's the scary part. Last season's track record, he was great early, bad late. And of course, if DeGrom comes in, Scherzer continues, that mitigates it somewhat. But just in the back of your mind, because as fans, we look for stuff, right? (laughs) <laughs> we could be playing great we're looking for stuff we're looking for issues we're looking for problems we're looking oh he's not as great as he could be oh he's not doing what he should be oh he's not, he, 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 he he could be better than what he is Tom Walker's been phenomenal so far hopefully he'll carry it fourth in the second half Carrasco was very good his last outing hopefully he can carry that forth in the second half uh David Peterson Has been excellent, including his last start against Atlanta. Even though they lost, he was phenomenal. And he will pitch today against Adrian Sampson. First pitch at 220. Of course, we'll keep you updated before we leave you at three here on 98.7 ESPN. So, listen, from the Mets standpoint, they've done well. And defensively, they might have played one of their best defensive games yesterday. I'm talking about both ends of the doubleheader. And I give a lot of credit to Pete Alonso because when he was, when we were all talking about him in the minor leagues, everybody was like, oh, he can hit. Defense, eh, needs some work. He's worked hard. He made a couple of plays yesterday that were excellent. And obviously, the pick by J.D. Davis at first really, you know, might have saved the win for the Mets because that was an outstanding play, especially for a guy who doesn't play first base all the time. That was an outstanding play. And as I was watching it, I was reminded of a conversation that uh Mark Teixeira and I had years ago uh, when I was on the Yankee beat for us here on ESPN New York. And just talking about how people fill in at first base. And obviously, you know, Mark Teixeira, outstanding first baseman defensively. And just... As a first baseman, great first baseman like Keith Hernandez, like Don Mattingly, Mark Teixeira, great first baseman. And you, offensively, sometimes managers will stick a guy at first base. Let me give him. Let me give the guy the off. Let me stick him at first base. And I remember having the conversation with Teixeira, like, "Are you insulted a little bit by that? Because it almost diminishes what you do." And how great a defensive first baseman you are by somebody just sticking somebody over there, you know? Um, and he, you know, as Mark Desherry is, always took the high road. But you can tell there's a there's a little, hey, you know, it's not as easy as it looks. It's not just, you know, you think you're, you're putting the guy over there because you're giving the catcher a day off or you're giving the outfielder a day off so you can stick him at first. Oh, yeah, it's okay. We'll, we'll, we'll be safe over there. It's okay. You know, we just need him for the day or two. It's not easy. Digging out balls in the dirt. You know, I, I remember what John Olerud's another great first baseman that comes to mind. These are talented guys who save you so many errors and take the pressure off all your infielders because they know that all they have to do is get the ball near there. Not that they're trying not to, but they know on a tough play, if they can get the ball near there, you're going to get the you're going to make the play for them. Mike Rizzo's another one. Anthony Rizzo is another one. You're going to make the play for them. And so a, a great first baseman is invaluable to your infield. Just is. Just is. And so, and listen, J.D. Davis is not a great first baseman. He is not in that class of great first baseman I was talking to you about. But what he is is, yesterday he made a great play at first base. And when you look at those plays and you understand how how tough it is to play that position, you kind of put your, you know what, you kind of tip your cap over there and forces you to look uh, real closely, real closely at the folks at first. 919 When we return, we'll take your phone calls. We'll talk a little match. We'll also talk about the Yankees who pounded the Red Sox yesterday. Matt Carpenter is going to force uh, Joey Gallo to the bench. <laughs> I listen, and I know that it's not just Joey Gallo. I know that you, the Yankee fans, are one him out of town. I get it. I know that with the whole thing about Juan Soto becoming available, I know the Yankee fans are like, let's package Gallo and anybody else we could get to get him to get Soto here, but get Gallo out of here. I get it. I understand all that. But Matt Carpenter, the way he's playing, you're gonna have to find a spot for him. And he had a pair of home runs yesterday. He has been phenomenal. We'll hear from Aaron Boone and Aaron Judge and you next. You're listening to The Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN. What can I say about this guy? Nobody expected him to be able to perform the way he is. You know how I know? Because he was home. (laughs) He was out of baseball. He was just chilling. He was sitting back, relaxing, waiting, wondering. Is anybody going to call me? Will I get a chance to perform again? I know I can still play, but what is happening? Why won't anybody give me a chance? Yesterday for a Yankee fan was a a day to just stretch out and be happy. Why do I say that? Well, very simple. First of all, Jamison Tyon went six innings. Struck out five. Only gave up a run. He has not been that good this past couple of starts. You were starting to be concerned about him. He put your mind at ease at least for one day. Aaron Judge and Matt Carpenter, a couple of home runs last night. 10 RBI. Carpenter had seven of them. Unbelievable. You're happy about that. And the best part, it was against the Red Sox. <laughs> so I know you were ecstatic about that. So I mean, and, and granted, I understand the Yankees have not been, you know, the world beaters over the past couple weeks that that you would love to see. But as long as they keep winning series, it's okay. I know the hiccup against Cincinnati, it happens. Happens. It happens. Just relax. Interesting matchup today. Chris Sale against Garrett Cole. And, of course, the series is split, so the winner will win that series. You know what? This is a pretty – I got to say, this is a pretty good time for New York baseball right now. Going into the All-Star break, both local teams will be in first place. Man, that's a good feeling. All right, let's talk to you. 1-800-919-3776. Andrew's in North Bergen. Andrew, start us off on this Sunday afternoon.
3: Hey, how you doing?
1: I'm doing great, Andrew. What's up?
3: So, uh, I just – Wanted to say, I think the Yankees should do everything and anything in their power, any possibility there is, to acquire Soto, even if that means maybe giving up Judge, because Judge wants to play for another 10 years. How, how do we know what a 36, 37, 38-year-old Judge is going to play like? Soto's 24. Uh, you said that the Yankees haven't been uh, world beaters over the, the, the next, I mean, the last couple of weeks. I think if they get Soto, they'll be world beaters for the next couple of years. So um, yeah, if that means trading all these great prospects they have, or uh, dump, dumping or not wanting to give Judge all that money so they could have more to give to Soto, I think I think plainly I'm just saying I think they should do everything they possibly can to acquire Soto. So and, you're
1: done uh, with Judge? You don't want Judge?
3: I I you know I'm a Yankees fan. I love Judge and he he's great for the fan base, but I think I don't I wouldn't want him in eight or nine. Year. Like, I don't, I don't think I'm going to want the judge in eight or nine, 10 years, but the Soto in eight, nine, 10 years is still going to be great.
1: Well, you make an interesting point. I mean, that that's the one thing that it, that hurts Aaron Judge is his age. Uh, none yeah. of us really know how long the, 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 uh, he wants to play. I mean, he may see. I'm not really sure how this goes, Andrew, and thanks for the phone call because Judge may want to take, does he want money or does he want years? because you could give him a ton of money for less years, right? And then after, let's say, let's say for argument's sake, and once again, I don't know what he's asked for, but let's say for argument's sake, Aaron Judge, 30, takes six years. And then he says in six years, you know, we sit back we sit back and, and talk. I don't know, he may want eight. he may want 10. I don't know what he wants. But let's hypothetically say he wants it in six years. All right? Would would you would you take Aaron Judge for six years and the amount of money? And I get what you're saying about Soto, younger player, potentially outstanding, not having the year this year that he's had previously, but going forward, he could be he should be, if he continues to perform the way he is, he should be a really great player for a really long time. So now it poses an interesting scenario. Okay. But think of it this way. If I'm Washington and I offered him that amount of money and he turned it down, what am I gonna am I gonna offer Judge something similar to that? I realize Judge's age as well. Maybe I don't want Judge. <laughs> maybe I don't. Maybe, maybe I want to go in a different direction. And I get it. They're a team that's struggling, they're a team that could use some more draft picks. It is an interesting scenario. Can Juan Soto play in New York? I don't know. There's a lot of different there's a lot of different aspects here that go along. And I know there's a number of folks who would say, listen, if we could trade for him, but what will it take to bring Juan Soto to the Bronx? That's the question. And I'm not sure I know what the answer is. And I know the Yankees have some prospects, but you know, is this a Yankee team that wants to just give up their prospects and and just say you know what we're we're gonna roll the dice here and and hope that you know uh, Soto is is going to recapture the player he was previously, or is he more of the player this year, or is this year just an anomaly for him? And the only thing I'll say, and I'm not comparing the two, I'm comparing the two situations. If I would have said to you two years ago, three years ago, That Gleyber Torres would have the years that he's had after the first two years here where he owned Baltimore, where he was hitting the ball out of the ballpark all over the place. If I had said to you that he was going to, if I gave you a stat to say, you know what, Gleyber Torres, let me tell you about Gleyber Torres. He's going to be like this, this, and this the next three years. You would have looked at me like I was crazy. You just never know sometimes age is not the best barometer it really isn't some guys bloom late one 800 919 spike is in say what's up spike
4: spike. Yeah, you.
1: spike you know you. better I know, man. i
4: <laughs> Chinese My wife just came back. A lot of balls up in the air. I know I know better. I You got a lot of moving
1: parts going on down there, huh, Spike? <laughs> yeah, but it's a two-minute job, right? So you can always score <laughs>
4: wounds. Okay, first of all, I was just telling Susan she came back. Larry and Chick, my friend. I, you guys are amazing with the Mets. I mean, really, you're in such good shape. You really are. And let's, please, I love you guys, both of you, let's just, Enjoy. You know, you want to get to the finish line. DeGrom and Scherzer, you got the two best pitchers in baseball. If I told you uh, Scherzer, uh, DeGrom will make, uh, I don't know what's left on the calendar, what, 15, 16 starts, something like that. Scherzer, yeah, i would be happy. Yeah, and I told him yes after I spoke to you last time. I, he has. A, he says, he's with you on Dez too. You know, every save is going to yeah. blow again. But they're starting to hit. And he also said, to tell you this, uh, because he just can't reach you, it's that kind of deal. And he said, the, um, um, the, oh, the, for the shortstop, what's his name? Um, shortstop for the Mets. Oh, Lindor. Yeah. He said Lindor is more of a power-hitting guy. 25, 28 home runs, and he's certainly got a great glove. So, uh, listen, it's Atlanta. It's going to come down. And Larry, i tell you, look at the mess. You look at the new uh, uh, playoff uh, layout. Mm-hmm. Pretty, good. Pretty good for you guys. I mean, because if you clinch the bye and then the other team, I know they get three games at home, but it's still three games. It's not the one game. But, no, that's fine. The Yankees are fine, too. Listen, I never understand this. And then uh, one basketball thing I'll get off. I just don't understand this. If I said to you, Larry, you make a dollar a year, I'm going to give you $0.99 cents the first day, okay? Would mm-hmm. you say yes or no? Yes. Yeah, okay, Burden of the hand theory. Exactly. Why don't these guys, I mean, why don't they just say, say the judge's number, I don't know, it Was 400000000 million. We'll give it to you instead of uh, uh, 10 years, we'll give it to you for seven. How do you get the money? Yeah. I, I, I understand they want to lessen their exposure that he perhaps gets injured, Listen, I'll tell you another thing. With Judge, he's a hell of a center fielder. He is. You know? He, he is. really is. So he I think is. the baseball. I think the baseballs fine. The Yankees. Somebody's ten the Yankees. Means, you know, four out of uh, five, six out of ten, and then the there's thirteen, twelve, fifteen games up suffer in, in, in the loss column. And but no one looks like a world beater. You know, but it's odd to me that I look at the standings in Baltimore and uh, who's the other team that's streaking? Uh, Seattle. Seattle. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, he's got to be smiling. It's been a long run for him. So, all right, let me finish and wish you a great week. Um, it's saying a Herschel Walker deal with the next. You got to play hardball. I know you'll get to it later. I look forward to it because a couple Donald of boys in California. Yeah. I, I, look, he's really good, but eight teams passed on him. And uh-huh. I said to Gordon yesterday, Giannis and Kawhi were both picked in the teens. okay? And uh-huh. arguably, they both won titles in the last five years. And in any one of those years where they performed at their highest efficacy, they, they could have been considered one of the top two or three players in the game. And they won championships. Mm-hmm. So you never know. You don't know what you're going to get. This guy, Danny Ames, you shake hands with him, you count your fingers before you put them back in your pocket. <laughs> like that he played like he that did. man he, did. Uh, he was a, him and then that god just his soul he passed away so young dennis johnson mm-hmm. he's a hell of a backward i never liked danny Ainge, but he could play so uh, go ahead and give him and put some uh, restrictions on it i love this jericho sims kid larry am i wrong he's playing
1: well he's playing well spike thanks for the phone call my friend he's playing well he really is um he looks good in summer league let's see if he could continue to get his experience and and continue to play well, you know, in the regular season when he gets his minutes. And I kind of want to see if he can play a little bit at the four. We'll talk with Steve Popper about that, too, at the top of the hour. one 800 919 calls next on 98.7 ESPN. Let's head back to the phones. Let's chat with uh, Bob in Brooklyn. Hey, Bob, you're next on 98.7. Bob. Bob, you're talking to somebody, but it's not me. All right, Bob, call back. Dave's in East Meadow. Dave, you're next on
5: 98.7. Hey, Larry, how are you? Really much enjoying the show. Thanks, Dave. What's up? I want to talk some Knicks. Go I, ahead. I'm I baffled. I'm baffled at the amount of people that are not all about this Donovan Mitchell trade or possibility of a trade. I mean, what do you get number one picks for? You get them to try to hopefully hit on some really good players. Uh-huh. And when you don't hit on really good players, you can use them as assets to get other really good players. Uh-huh. So to me, this is a no-brainer. And look, this is, if, he, if we're negotiating with Utah, it's like buying a house, right? They're gonna, if the house is for 600000 and you offer 550000 they come back with a counter and you go back and forth. And that's how it goes. So this is a negotiation. So we obviously don't want Mm -hmm. to give away six number one picks, but maybe you cut it at five, and some of them are the ones we just got recently with the protections on them, et cetera. Mm -hmm. And uh, you come to an agreement. We're not going to give them four of our players off the bench, grimes, quickly, topping, et cetera. You try to settle on two or three, and hopefully, because we have a lot of assets, we'll come to an agreement. But for anyone to say, we don't want him, or it's too much, I mean, this could put us in the top four of the Eastern Conference, and then maybe other players want to come here, or the veterans that are towards the end of their career and they want to try to get a ring, or they like what's going on, and they want to come here. And that's how you build a team. I mean, a lot of these championship teams are made with free agents coming in. I think this is absolutely a no-brainer. You're not giving six number ones, but I think for five number ones and a couple players, it is a no-brainer. I can't believe anyone would question
1: it. Well, here's why they're questioning it, Dave, and thanks for the phone call. You made out the perfect case, and you're right. It's all about negotiation. It will be about negotiation and so on and so forth. What you're hearing from the fans is the apprehension of whether just how good Donovan Mitchell is. Donovan Mitchell was on a team arguably better than the Nick team in Utah a team that want, had some success and did not advance. So there are some fans who are a little concerned about his abilities, his height, paired now with Jalen Brunson to give you a small backcourt. What is that going to do for you defensively? So there's some issues. It's not only about what you're giving up. It's It's some concern about the player himself. And there were some calls out of Utah, which is, One of the reasons why, uh, you know, people are – because there's always a reason why teams don't do well. And and it depends on who you talk to. And so the latest rumor out of their last year, fair or unfair, I don't know because I don't cover the Jazz every day, excuse me, was that Donovan Mitchell didn't want to pass to Rudy Gobert. That Donovan Mitchell didn't want to pass a lot. That was some of the knocks against him. Now, I don't know whether this came out from – folks who were, whether it was true, A, B, whether it came out from folks who had something against Donovan Mitchell, B, or C, whether it came out, whether it was, uh, you know, a situation that the Jazz people were just saying, you know what, we may be wanting to get rid of him and go a different direction. Let's start sending some information out. So I don't really know what happens here. The bottom line here is there's been some games in key moments in the postseason where Donovan Mitchell has not played well. And so when you look at that from a Nick fan standpoint and you take all those things into consideration is he good enough to make us that different to make a difference does he you said he bring he brings that team to fourth in the league in the east maybe he doesn't maybe there's a lot of fans who feel that he maybe brings you to just outside the to, to just outside the um the plan. some say maybe sixth okay it's it's what else does the team do? And so if you're saying that, okay, Donovan Mitchell comes in and Brunson comes in and, and if Julius Randall's still here and he has the, he has the year that he had the year before, not last year, does that give us a chance to be a better team? Absolutely. It does. Absolutely. It does. But what are you doing with Fournier? What are you doing with these? And who are you giving up? And yeah, I know you're right about that's what you do with rookies with draft choices when you have them that's why you obtained them and you're absolutely right the thing is you know how it is when you have your own draft choices and you watch them you you don't always want to part with them right away you kind of feel you know you kind of feel like they could be something especially when they don't have a large opportunity to play as some of them didn't have an opportunity to play here hey bob in brooklyn you're back yeah All right, Bob. Talk to me. Yeah. um, How much
4: um, first round picks do you think the Knicks should give up for Donovan Mitchell? And do you think that KD will
6: eventually get traded?
1: Bob, yeah, I do think that Donovan Mitchell is going to eventually get traded. Thanks for the phone call. And uh, they're going Utah is going to try to get as much as possible. Personally, I would say I I wouldn't want to give up more than five. I wouldn't want to give up more than four first round picks. I wouldn't, especially if I'm giving up my own, which are unprotected. Okay. I don't want to give up more than four. Because I still have to build a future. (laughs) All right. I still need to be able to find a way to, to replenish my, my offense and my team. So I'm not trying to trade my total future away. Donovan Mitchell is a fantastic player, but I think I have enough, young players, combination of young players who are not getting the opportunity to play and draft choices in the future that I can not mortgage my future. So I have an issue with five or six. I'm not giving up six number ones. (laughs) I'm not giving up six number ones. Not. Can't do it. Can't do it. Four is the most that I'm willing to give up. Four. The most. The most. Because, once again, I don't want to be in that position where I'm looking down the road and I have nothing left. And then i got to make some other moves to try to get some other draft choices. Now, you could argue with me and say, well, Larry, you know, listen, are you confident that the Knicks can find these players? Are you confident that you're going to get a Donovan Mitchell in the draft? No, I'm not. That's why. I'm, that's why I will take the gamble and trade some of my young guys and a couple of my future play draft choices to make that happen. But I am not mortgaging the farm for Donovan Mitchell or or a ton of other players that I'm going to mortgage the farm for. Because here's what I know. For me to have sustainable success, I have to have a regular pipeline of players coming in. And the challenge is going to be, as I get better, my my draft choice position is going to get worse. So if I'm really good, then my draft choices are going to be not that great. So for me, I want to be able to replenish that with depth. And then if I have to package those to get further up, that's what I'll do. But I'm not trying to give up my future right now. I don't know what could happen in 2026, 2027. I don't know. Suppose the trade doesn't go as well as I thought. And now I've given up my future, and I still don't have young players to make me better in the future. No, I can't do that. I can't do that. That's that's the old Knicks. That's what old Knicks teams would do. Okay, that, we're not doing that. And the other thing is you need more than one or two players to, to do well to be successful in this NBA. Just do and the young team provides the depth and the young team provides you with the ability to have that sustainable success. Because this is not just about this year. This is not just about, okay, well, hey, we'll be we good this year. We got Donovan Mitchell. We got Jalen Brunson. Julius Randle's back. Mitchell Robinson's playing well. We got the young kids. Oh, we're, we're ready to go. No, this is this is about hoping that this team has this success it had in the 90s where every single year you were a player. Every single year, you, were, you had a great opportunity to win your division. You had a great opportunity to get to the postseason. And you were at least in the discussion for coming out of the East and having a shot at the NBA Finals. And that sustainable success for the Knicks just hasn't happened for a number of reasons players haven't performed, draft picks haven't worked out, coaches haven't been able coaches didn't, it's a number of things. There's a whole bunch of injuries. There's a number of different reasons why these things have not happened, okay? But once again, for you to have sustainable success, it's not just about what you're doing right now. It's about what you're doing now with an eye towards how do you get better. So you don't ever want to be in this position again. You don't ever want to be a team that's coming off uh, 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 some years where you had 20, 25, 30 wins. You don't ever want to be that again. You want to be a team that has sustainable success which is in the running for being great over and over and over and over again. That's what you want and that's what this regime has got to do. That's what their mandate is. We'll find out the latest on the Donovan Mitchell trade with Steve Popper from Newsday. He'll join me next on 98.7 ESPN.
0: This- is the Larry Hardesty Show on
1: 98.7
0: ESPN.
1: I'm joined now by a young man who I've had the pleasure of seeing in a number of different stadiums in this town. It's either Madison Square Garden, I think I've seen him at Yankee Stadium, Shea. He's been not as long as I have, but he's covered a lot of teams in this area, and we sat next to each other a couple of times at Nick Training Camp and up at the Nick facility in Westchester just shaking our heads. <laughs> at things that we saw <laughs> and heard. <laughs> Welcome in Steve Popper from Newsday, who covers the Knicks and does a fantastic job for them. And you can watch him. Uh, you can see him at Steve Popper on Twitter. Hi, Steve. Long time. How are you?
6: Hey, Larry. You, might, you make me sound a little like a bobblehead there. But, yeah, <laughs> the, 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 Knicks, the Knicks do that to you.
1: They sure do. Before we talk about Donovan Mitchell and, and, and the and the. The story that's keeping you up at nights, <laughs> looking forward to your looking, checking your cell phone for, for reports from sources and stuff. Give me yeah. uh, give me an idea on how this front office, Leon Rose and, and company, how do they see this Nick team? Do they see this Nick team as closer to the team that got to the fourth seed uh, two years ago, or closer to the team that was six games out of the play in last season?
6: I, I think. Look, we we don't talk to Leon a lot to get his his take, but I think I think it's the, uh, the former that he they look at it as it was a disappointment last year. They expect what they what they got uh, two years ago. I'm not sure that's a realistic way to think about it. But but look, that the team is different now. Um, I, I think that la- that year two years ago we all knew it was a little bit of an anomaly. That um, because of COVID, uh, there were guys you know so many teams were having to shut down practice, go two weeks without playing, uh, all these sort of things where they couldn't couldn't get together. And the Knicks, you know, to their credit, managed it as well as anybody could. Um, they, I think they lost two players for a game, you know, or two during the year. Um, they never had to shut down the whole practice thing. They had one game canceled because of San Antonio. Um, so, so everything they kind of did, and, look, playing in empty arenas, I think some of them flourished in that as we could see what happened last year. Mm -hmm. Um, Julius Randall didn't, didn't have a, you know, the same sort of year when things opened up and he's listening to, you know, crowds booing and things like that. Um, But, but I do think that, that, you know, uh, look, I I start with, they were without uh, Derek Rose last year, almost the whole season. And I think he was a huge part of what they did two years ago. Um, So I think having him back healthy is a step and, the move they made, I, I don't think you can argue with them. You know that I, I think, in terms of a youth movement, in terms of the talent, I think they're better now than they are were a year ago. I, I think Jalen Brunson is a huge upgrade at point guard. I think Isaiah Hartenstein will surprise some people with what he can do. Um, he's he's steadily improved every year of his career, and I think he, he's a good sort of change of pace big man for them. Um, and look, and and if they get Donovan Mitchell, this is talent they haven't had before. You know, I'm not I'm not sure the fit is perfect, but uh it, it's it's you know a guy who steps in is, is probably the most talented guy they have
1: and it's interesting you mentioned hartstein because he let's face it he uh is probably going to get a lot of playing time hopefully mitchell robinson will be able to stay a little healthier than he's been the past couple of years but you know you look at you look at the entry issues that he's had and you you know how tibbs likes to rotate his guys and and you know play defense against the middle i mean he's going to be a big player here
6: yeah, you look, you know, I, I think we look at his passing skills and the, the ability to stretch the floor offensively. He's not, you know, he's not a prolific three-point shooter, but I think he did a little more as the year went on last year, and he was pretty efficient with it. Uh, I think, you know, I think he only took about 30 of them, but <laughs> thirty threes is, is a lifetime for Mitchell Robinson. Um, so, I, look, I, I, I wasn't sure this is the one move. I, I know they like Mitchell Robinson, and I, I think you don't want to let somebody walk who has value. I was a little surprised that you know at the price they paid for, to keep him, they, they, they do cherish uh, rim protection in Thibodeau's system uh, at the price that it cost to me, you know is, is he that much better than even Jericho Sims? Mm. Uh, is he that much of a difference maker? I, I think he is a little bit better but Jericho has some things that he doesn't have offensively um, you know and, and for the price tag that, that Jericho Sims cost him, you know maybe you could get by with him uh they're paying a lot, but I think it's an asset that they see down the road that, you know, if they want to move him they can. Uh if they want to keep him, they have a they have a you know a room protector. They got rid of Nurlands Noel. They have sort of the you know the guy in place that they feel is young and improving. And, and 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 I think look, give give Mitchell Robinson credit. If you remember what the player he was when he came in the league, mm-hmm. you know, fou- fouling out in a matter of minutes. Um he's become a much more efficient defender. He's he's a he's a smarter defender um and he's just a shot blocking threat on every you know every shot that the opposition puts up so i, I think i think there is a great value to him i i, I just you know when, you, when you're trying to plot out where you're spending i'm not sure it was the best spend the best price um in, in today's nba to have a guy who you know doesn't handle the ball at all who doesn't shoot you know further than he can reach the rim um but but you know, there is value to him and I think there's value in the trade market to him. You know, you, you keep the assets you have when you're when you're, you know, at the cap.
1: Absolutely. Don't just give them away. That's the voice of Steve Popper, covers the Knicks for Newsday. It's the Larry Hardesty show here on 98.7 ESPN. All right, Steve, we stalled long enough. People are waiting. Donovan Mitchell. <laughs> um it's it, it's the interesting debate here. What do you give up? This has been a franchise that in history has given up a lot of their future. What are you hearing? What 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 do you think they will do?
6: Uh, I thought from the start that this was a strange idea. Uh, look, you know, anytime in the three years that Leon Rose and and this front office has been in place, you've always kind of heard whispers that Donovan Mitchell was the target from the time they brought in Johnny Bryant, who's close to him in Utah, uh, as an assistant associate head coach. Um, there was, you know, there's always been talk that they're going to try and lure him here. You couldn't get him as a free agent. And, uh, you know, like I say, almost any time during the three years, if you'd have brought him in, it would be an amazing move. He's a New York kid. He's, you know, he's a, he's an amazing offensive talent. Um, to me, it, it's odd timing that this comes up now. You know, right after you signed Jalen Brunson. You know, and I you can't trade Jalen Brunson, um, and I don't think they want to. I think Jalen Brunson is a great fit for what they do, but to have two, you know, undersized guards in the backcourt, I'm not sure is the best idea they're both ball dominant guys um to me it's it's an odd odd timing but every everyone i speak to in the nba seems to think that it's going to happen and it's a matter of you know posturing and and negotiating and seeing what the price will be that said i think there are other teams interested and i think if the knicks hold the line as i think they should um you know there's a chance he winds up in miami look he could even wind up in brooklyn um, there, there are, there are other places, you know, any, anybody's going to want a guy who can score the way he does and, and can take over an offense. Um, it's just an odd fit now. And, and when you talk about what you're going to give up, I, I've written, we have a column in today's Newsday, Um, and I wrote one earlier in the week that, you know, it, it's, it's a strange fit and it's a strange, uh, timing to think you're going to give up this kind of thing. And, you know, I think it makes some Nick fans cringe through the thought of sort of the Carmelo trade, you know, a guy who wanted to come to New York, uh, and what you gave up for them. Um, the Knicks have, have been, you know, to the credit, again, to this front office. They've been patient. They've been, done a good job accumulating, not only keeping their picks, but accumulating others. Um, these are great assets to have Sometimes better as a trade than, than actually, you know, using the draft picks. You can't use all these. Um, to me, though, you know, when you've got young talent and you've got draft picks, you can use it in, in a trade, but I'm just not sure this is the one. And, and, it, and it's very hard to, To pass on when you see talent like this and as i said he'd he'd be the most talented guy on on the team if he comes it's just an odd fit and does it make them the top four team probably not so it's tough you know do you hold out and hope that someone else shakes loose that fits better at some point maybe you do uh
1: one of the trades and i'm reading your article right now uh one of the trades that was mentioned that you alluded to in your article today was the athletic Earlier in the week, that talked about uh, Obi Toppin, and Quentin Grimes, Miles McBride, Emmanuel Quickly, and six first round first round picks, and I thought Kareem was coming when I saw that. I mean, six first <laughs> round picks. I mean, <laughs> Steve, that's a lot. I mean, look, all due to right. respect for Donovan Mitchell, he's not a game changer that you deserve all those players and six first round picks. And look, I understand that it's a negotiation. You throw it out there. You listen. this. this is what we want. No, you're not getting that. And so you go back and forth as one of my callers says, like you're bidding on the house. So I get that. But the question becomes Steve, what will it take to get this done? And, how much of of the exchange of young players now and future players is going to make this work with the understanding that Utah kind of wants to rebuild here. So you would think that they would want more draft picks than young players.
6: Right. To to me, uh, you know, that's sort of been been the, the, the talk all along is that they want picks and, and everyone looks at that Rudy Gobert trade and say, you know, it set a standard. Um, but what they gave back, I, I don't, I don't think is sort of uh, in talent wise is what they're asking, you know, from the Knicks and that sort of deal. Look, I, look, I, I I've been very high on Quentin Grimes since he got to New York. And I think he's a, a guy, uh, you know, I wrote a column mid, mid season last year that he should, they should start him. And I think right now it makes sense that next to Jalen Brunson, that he starts. Um, yeah, I think he, there's nothing he did in the summer league. I think that that dissuaded anyone from that thought that, you know, he's a rising player and, and the sort of guy you want, you know, which is a three and D, but he can handle the ball. Um, he can be a primary ball handler at times to, to me, he's a valuable piece. Now that said, would I give him up for Donovan Mitchell? Yeah, I would, because I don't think he's going to reach that height, but now, you know, when you start adding in Obi top and, uh, you know, basically a half, a half your roster, you know, six draft picks is insane. Um, you know, I, I don't think, you know, we will find out as we go here. really don't know what's going on in Danny Ainge's uh, mind, how much of this is posturing and how much he really will hold tight to. But to me, you know, if the Knicks, you know, have to move off one of their contracts, um, the one I heard is most likely is Derek Rose because he's got an expiring deal. You know, the Knicks I'm sure would rather give up Fournier and, and the years he has remaining. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I think it's all posturing right now, and we don't know, you know, how far how far they'll go. And the biggest thing to me is Leon Rose has preached patience since the day he got here, doing things the right way, not st- skipping steps. And to me, this is a move that would skip steps, and I'm not sure bring you to where you want to go. It, it's just, you know, I look at Boston, I look at Milwaukee, I look at Miami, Philadelphia, Brooklyn. If they keep the same, you know, crew in- intact. I just don't see the Knicks on that level, and Toronto is very good. Um, you know, do you do you give up your future to be the sixth place team? Um, you you can you can say that this is you know a step to get you other players, but you'd like to think Jalen Brunson is that. You'd like to think as, as his contract moves on, and if he recovers some of the value he had two years ago, maybe Julius Randle's a movable piece that gets you something big. Um, to me, to me, it would be a rash move to do this and and not put you where you want to be
1: steve i'm curious uh does the lack of playing time for some of these young players help or hurt them as far as moving them in other words are we are you moving them in bulk because people on the outside say well, gosh! If they were that good, they play them more. Or are you just moving them? Or are people looking at them? If they were playing more, they say, "Okay, I don't. This guy's really good. I don't need these other players. I could take maybe one or two of these guys." How do you think that the lack of playing time for these young players plays into this?
6: Yeah, it's it's a strange one. Look, I, but talking to guys around the league, they know they know what they've got and what they see. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think Quentin Grimes is somebody that I heard a lot of people very high on this week. Um, I, I think Emmanuel quickly is, is someone else that people see maybe not as a starter, but as sort of what the Knicks have used him as a, you know, six man, if he's hot, you know, you ride him. If, if he's not, you don't, that, that he's sort of like an instant offense guy um, who's going to have a great career uh, in that role. That sort of Jamal Crawford, uh, Lou Williams type thing. Um, you know, OB OB is a strange one. I, I think uh, people see what he did at the end of the year last year, but it's sort of that, that baseball thing where they say, don't, don't trust what you see in spring training or in September. Um, and we don't know how much of what what you saw in the final week is something that's going to carry over. and This was the big step for him. I think he definitely improved, and, and Thibodeau has talked about that. Look, I, I I hate to hear people talk about Thibodeau not playing young kids because you look two years ago he inserted Emmanuel quickly right in. Uh, I think you know he was he was giving big minutes to uh, to uh, Quentin Grimes when he got hurt. Um, I, I think, what they do say is you have to earn them. Uh, and you have to show, you know, you're, you're, you're beyond these, you know, the, the mistakes that they make. You know, I know Nick fans get angry because they see you know, Julius Randle have a, a larger leash, but you know, until anybody else's second team, all NBA, they don't get that leash that he gets. Um, you know, he does a lot of things that, that other players on the team don't do drawing double teams and kind of creating opportunities for other guys uh, to me, to me, you know, I, I think they've done things the right way with those kids and, and look, Look at the kid who, above all, who I, I've i written, you can't give up in one of these deals is R.J. Barrett, mm. who, you know, they, they've given tremendous minutes. He's been among the league leaders in minutes played, you know, almost since he started here and definitely in Thibodeau's two years. Uh, and I think it has, has improved steadily to me where, like I said, the first the first thought I had when they talked about Donovan Mitchell was, I wouldn't give up R.J. Barrett for him. I think he just, you know, even with the contract that he's going to demand, you know, very shortly, I, I think... Um, in a league where there's six foot seven, six foot eight point guards, um, he's been that switchable defender that everybody wants, the guy who can guard point guard to center almost, um, you know, and, and does have an offensive game to go with it. I, I think that's a value, and I think that's where I get scared with um, a Donovan Mitchell, Jalen Brunson. You know, how do you protect those guys in that sort of game?
1: Yeah, I hear what you're saying, Steve. I guess the only thing I would say just for me, is when you look at the, the minutes that these guys play, Julius Randle, 40-plus, R.J. Barrett, 40-plus, and I know he's young. Uh, it just seems like you could throw in some of your younger guys to get to if, – if you got Julius Randle down to 35 minutes, by the end of the season, those eight minutes a game – Steve, they kind of add up, you know. So I was just, from my yeah. standpoint, it's like, you know, if you, if you spread it out a little bit and just give guys a little bit more leash, I understand if they're not performing, okay, you got to yank them, but that would save your veterans. You're playing because they're playing with Tibbs' defense, they're playing both ends of the floor. Well, most of them.
6: <laughs> so, <laughs>
1: absolutely. <laughs> yeah, I, yeah.
6: And I, I I hear it, you know, look, look, I think I'm, I'm saying it off the top of my head here, not sitting in front of my computer, but I think, I think Obi was about 18 minutes a game last year. Um, and, and, you could say like, you know, maybe it should have been 22 or something like that. And, and, uh, you know, I, I think that's what people would like to see a little bit more of that. Uh, I think these opportunities will come. I think as OB improves defensively, there, there's times where you can play a small ball lineup and play them together. It didn't work great when they tried it. Um, so yeah, I think that's where, where, he, you know, Thibodeau is hesitant to keep going back to it. But, uh, but I think, I think this will come for OB or, or, or he will do it somewhere else. Um, I I will say this, they've done a pretty good job of of drafting character kids too. I think, Mm -hmm. I think OB, you know, through this has, um, been, you know, as as good as you can ask for a guy who's, you know, fans may maybe throw fits about him not playing. I think he said the right thing every single day. Um, he's been, he's been a great teammate to these guys. He's been very supportive of Randall Randall supportive of him. Um, you know, they're sitting together, you know, at at summer league games, you know, as as observers now, uh, I think they've done a good job of bringing in the right kind of kids when they talk about culture. Um, so I think that helps too. I think, I think these kids are, you know, understand it and wait their turn.
1: No question about it. Steve, I got 30 seconds left. Answer me this. If you can, what are they going to do with Cam Reddish?
6: (laughs) Did we not mention, did we not mention that lottery pick? (laughs) <laughs> uh, I, I, think I, 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 I think what happened there is he was brought in to be an asset, a tradable asset. You know, you, you, you see what you value with that draft pick that they gave up as, um, and what they thought they could get from him. I think we'll see, you know, what happens. I, I don't think they love what they saw from him and mm. look at landed not love what they saw from him. Uh, he's an expiring contract. And I wouldn't be shocked if he goes in a deal. Um, you know, he, he he's got, I think 7 million about to this year. Um, you know, it just, ha- it just hasn't happened yet for him. And maybe, you know, on the right team, given the opportunity to play 30 minutes a night, it does. But he, he hasn't done it steadily yet. And, look, some guys just don't ever reach what you think they're going to yeah. be potential-wise, and he could be one of those guys.
1: It's interesting. You can read them in Newsday. Does a tremendous job covering the Knicks. Steve Popper, thanks for a couple of minutes. I know we'll hear from you soon because this is not going away. <laughs> <laughs> no. <laughs> Talk Anytime, to Larry. All right, Steve, thanks. 1-800-919-3776. we will get your reaction next on 987 ESPN. Send back to the phones. 1-800-919-3776. Justin's in Long Island. Hey, Justin.
0: Hey, how we doing? Um, so, a couple things. I think, look, the, the Knicks got to make this trade. They will make this trade for no other reason because – if they don't, I think the front office is all going to be looking for new jobs a year from now. <laughs> but I think it's got to be a give and take. Uh, Danny Ainge has been fleecing teams for over a decade. He's looking to fleece us, too. The Knicks are no exception. I think, to your point, we got to draw lines in the sand. But it's not, you can't have six picks and you can't have R.J. Barrett. It's, okay, if you want six picks, you got to take Julius Randle and his salary. Or... We'll give you five picks, but X, Y, and Z. I think that's the biggest thing here because you know everyone's talking about they're comparing this to Carmelo Anthony trades and uh, other trades that we made in the past, and they're talking about leveraging the future. You know, we got to worry about the present. We've been worrying about the future for how long? How many trades? How many missed opportunities? Oh, we're going to get LeBron. Or this person's going to come here. So this person's got it. Just doesn't happen. So we finally have a star that wants to come to come to New York. His dad works for the Mets. He's from Westchester. You got to get him here. They will get him here. It's just a matter of what or where are we going to be out with negotiations? Is Danny Ainge going to pull the wool over our eyes and pull a fast one like he has to so many other teams? Or Are we going to be the team that stands pat? Is Leon Rose going to cement his status as you know one of the upper echelon members of management in the NBA?
1: That's a great question, Justin. Thanks for the phone call, and that and that is what it is. It's very simple. That's it. What will the Knicks have to give up? How badly do they want Donovan Mitchell? How badly? are they, I know they don't. We already know what they don't want. We already know, as of right now, they don't want to include R.J. Barrett. They've, they've made that clear. Okay, so we know that. We know that they don't want to include their whole, the past, <laughs> two draft classes and future draft classes. D- they don't want that. That's clear. Okay. They're not going to do that. So it's got to be somewhere in the middle. Now I think once again, on Utah side, they don't want to take a bunch of salary. They're trying to dump their salary. They're trying to build with these young players. So it is going to be interesting to see just how far they will go and what the Knicks will be able to pull off. Okay. They've got some contracts. Now, are they going to try to, you know, are they going to try to slip, you mentioned Julius Randle in the deal. Are they going to try to slip Evan Fournier in the deal? I I don't know. I don't know. I'm sure that they will try. And Danny Ames will probably say, no, thank you. But then, once again, the bottom line is, what will it take to get the deal done? Yankees and Sox on the way at the stadium. No scores. The Yanks bat in the bottom of the first. Shooters in Stanford. Hey, Shooter. <laughs> What's up, Larry? Good afternoon. Good
0: afternoon. Um, Obi Toppin. I don't think enough people talk about Obi Toppin. Um, I know if we had a run-and-gun offense like Dan Antonio, he would be flying high, scoring 18 a game right off the bat, but we don't. We kind of put him in the corner, shoved him in the corner, and told him to pass the two threes, and that's not him. And in that two-week span where he was scoring 20 a game, I believe he has the potential to be a great player. Once Julius Randle was out of the picture, it was like Julius Randle was a bully and said, you're not doing this, just stay over there. And I, We need to get rid of Julius Randle on that Mitchell trip, or whatever trade we do. He has to go, and I believe Obi Toppin has a lot of potential. Maybe, this is, this is risky saying, maybe even more than R.J. Barrett, because R.J. Barrett just has time to win games, and he just doesn't do it. What do you
1: think? Well, I think, uh, Shooter, thanks for the phone call. I think R.J. Barrett's a little better than you give him credit for. I think he has shown improvement. I think he, what he does need to do is his efficiency needs to get better. Uh, you know, as far as his, his amount of shots to get points, uh, that does need to improve, no question about that. Uh, I think Obi Toppin could be a very good player. I'm not really sure what he could be, though, because he's got to be – I know when he can be in transition. Okay, that's clear. I know he could be in transition. Uh, I, for me – I know everybody loves the three. Can I get a mid-range jump shot from him a little bit too? Something that will free him up? Because uh, I think he can put the ball on the floor and get to the basket too. So I agree with you. Um, I just don't know what you're going to get for Julius Randle right now. And and I think that they want to try to keep They'll Look, I'm sure they've kicked the tires on some deals, on some opportunities, and I believe that they think that Julius Randle, they're going to keep Julius Randle and see what happens. If he has a season you know, comparable to last year, they'll reevaluate at the trade deadline and see if they'll make a move. Chris is in Manhattan. Hey, Chris.
7: Hey, Larry, how you doing? Can you hear me? Okay.
1: I hear you. Great. What's going on, my friend.
7: What's going on, sir. Good afternoon. Good afternoon. I heard it was an all plain south. So, you know, I had to show up. Yeah. I haven't heard from on? you since, you I ain't know, like in trouble.
1: I mean, I hadn't heard <laughs> from you. I, I figured, you know, that now that we are getting close to training camp, I'll hear from you a little bit more. I was just want to make sure you're okay.
7: Oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. Well, I'm I'm here. I'm okay. here. Uh, I'm good. I've been I've been I've been laying low, forty eight hours, Larry.
4: <laughs>
7: forty. <laughs> I'm telling you, it's forty eight. It, I mean, it, it's forty eight hours. I know. <laughs> then 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 we then then we start then we start a story. We yeah. we, we see it, <laughs> we see what happened. I'm not going to get it. That's, that yeah, we had time to talk about that because yeah. I really called to, to I really called it. To, to, you know to hear about this Knicks situation from, um, and I think the first, uh, there were two things that stuck out. Uh, let me get to that first. Mm-hmm. Uh, you, had, you had expressed some concern about the Knicks not being able to sign Donovan Mitchell in free agency. Am mm-hmm. I correct about that? Yeah, I
4: okay. did. Okay.
7: Was that a situation where if he signed with the Knicks, he gets less than if he re-signs with Utah?
1: I don't remember exactly, Chris, but it was probably something along those lines.
7: Because yeah, that that would something. that would uh, that would be that would that was the first thing that I thought of. Mm-hmm. Okay, the second thing was um, if you obtain Donovan uh, Donovan Mitchell and you have him playing with uh, Brunson,
6: mm-hmm.
7: and both and if I'm correct, you know, being said that they're both both dominant, and honestly, I don't see a problem with uh, Rick, uh, you know, I mean with, with Brunson playing with. Um, Mitchell, especially mm-hmm. if you were able to coexist with Luca.
2: Right. Yeah. I that, hear what you're that saying.
7: Almost, because, I mean, just it, it just seemed a little like, okay, I mean Luca has the ball in his hand a
1: lot. Yeah. You he know, wasn't so ball dominant. Twer- There's no question about that. <laughs> Brunson <laughs> wasn't ball dominant in Dallas. He was happy so to get mean, the basketball. If he could do enough for you
7: to sign him to for the Knicks to sign him to a free agent contract, I'd I i do not you know, I mean again I, I do understand the thing about chemistry mm-hmm. and it was a good point about it being a uh, uh, undersized, uh, backcourt, um, defensively. Um, the you know, really it is Larry. What would you give up for Donovan Mitchell for actually I should ask you first, do you want Donovan Mitchell? Number one, what would you, what would, what would you give up for him? Cause you know, as I always say to Trey, Oh, it's, it's, it's going to hurt. Yes.
1: Yeah, no question. You it's it's the, hard. the better the player, the more it hurts. Thanks for checking in, my friend. Good to hear from you. Uh, I would give up. I'm not giving up. Six, just me. I'm not giving up six first-round picks. Like I said, the the deal in the athletic was something. Let me see if I remember. It was Grimes. It was Grimes. It was Obi. It was Quickly. It was um, McBride and six first-round picks. No, I'm not doing that. I'm not doing that. Now I'll give you four. I'll give you four first round picks and I might give you a couple of my, I'm not emptying my, I'm not emptying my roster for that. That, that, That's a, I'm not doing that. (laughs) That's real easy to say. No, (laughs) that's real easy. But some combination of a mixture, I'll give you a couple of my guys and a couple of picks uh, protected and unprotected. And we'll, um, you know, let's see what we'll, let's see what that gets me. If you want something else, maybe I'll try to throw in some, a couple of my, my my players. But when you talk about six first round picks, I I, I, I got to get for six first round picks. I got to get a LeBron. I got to get a Kevin Durant. I got to get a game changer for six first round picks. Six. Okay. No disrespect to Donovan Mitchell, who's a phenomenal player. He's not a, in my opinion, he's not a six first-round pick guy. And players. So I got to give you players and six first-round picks. Uh, no, can't do that. Can't do that. Gerard's in Brooklyn. Hey, Gerard. Hey, what's up, Larry? How you doing, man? Good, good. Big fan, man. I've been listening
8: to you, Larry, since the days of WLIB, man. So Appreciate
1: you. Thank you. That's a <laughs> yeah. long journey, my friend. Long journey. long
8: journey. Long journey, long journey. But you do great work. You do great work. Appreciate that. Um, Just two quick Two quick um, questions for you. Okay. Do you think um, Julius Randle will be able to, I guess, you know, win back the um, the New York Knicks fans? Because he kind of had this love and hate relationship going on. Yeah. yeah. Um, and the other question is, do you – oh, are you in favor of uh, Judge getting this, that deal of, uh, I don't know, um, that big contract for well, – well, he's willing to his um, – late late 30s I, i'm not a big fan of it because i think the body starts to break down yeah. and um guys start um performing less i think they should kind of give them something i don't think they should let him go though alright
1: Gerard. you're okay. right all right thanks for Thank the poke yeah. the kind words my friend i'll tell you what i'll answer that question and we'll talk to brian lewis next on 98.7 espn
0: this is the larry hardesty show on 98.7 espn
1: Let's turn our attention now to the Brooklyn Nets. For that, we talk to the Net beat writer for the New York Post. He is Brian Lewis. Brian, welcome, my friend. It's been a while.
9: It's been a minute. How you been? I love the intro music, by the way. Thank can't you, can't have bro. enough. Uh, we need more Miss Yelly in the world.
1: <laughs> Something upbeat, right? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Brian. It has been a minute, my friend. You've been busy. Brian, before we talk, let me ask you this. And and I always say this. with It seems like every writer or reporter I've had, we've shared different stories over the years and been in different stadiums and buildings and stuff like that. In your years of reporting, how has this year been for you compared to your other assignments this year with the Nets from, from last, from last off season to this current off season.
9: I mean, it's right at the top of the list in terms of the craziness and the amount of drama. You know, I was saying this to somebody the other day. And I can't remember who, so I apologize. But I remember being with this team. I remember landing in China with this team what, two preseasons, I guess. Or three. I, yeah, both three. is before COVID. It was the mm-hmm. season that got shut down by COVID. And Jose had just bought the team. Really, he just taken control of the team. And Daryl Morey had his tweet. And then Joe fired off a response while he was in the air. He was in the air simultaneously with the team. He was with the team, and I was with a lot of the team's personnel on the same flight. And from that day, when basically the Nets were in the midst of this international incident, I was saying, man, this is crazy. But I guess it'll calm down when I get home. And it just never calmed down. Uh-huh. So everything has gotten crazier from one month to the other. You know, COVID hit obviously and then the mandates that came down that kind of precipitated a lot of what's going on with the deaths because Kyrie refused to get vaccinated and we know how James Harden felt about that. It <sighs> brings us to where we are now. <laughs> it's it uh, pretty much has just increased exponentially. In terms of the amount of drama
1: that's going on, it's been it 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 had to be quite it's got to be quite, a, quite a, a ride for you for you guys covering that team and then to to top it off, Kevin Durant says I want out. So Brian, where are we now with this? If you're the Nets, you're in gosh, almost an impossible situation. Well, not well, almost an impossible situation because I don't know what type of compensation that you get back for Kevin Durant, you're listening to what Utah asked the Knicks for, for Donovan Mitchell. You'd see what they got for Rudy Gobert. I mean, I can't imagine what the price is for Kevin Durant.
9: Well, I think that's what, that's exactly where we are today. Uh, Nobody can imagine paying the price that the Nets would, some would say justifiably demand for Kevin Durant. That's the problem or that's the situation. The Bear deal kind of changed the landscape for what an NBA trade is going to look like, at least temporarily. And the Nets have gotten a lot of offers for Kevin Durant. The Nets have not gotten that offer for Kevin Durant, you know, that Herschel Walker remake the franchise godfather offer. Uh, and bear in mind, they've never at any point wanted to trade him. This was not like Jimmy Johnson coming in and saying, "Well, I can win three games with you. I can win one without you and have a future that's not their situation. They desperately wanted to hold on to him, but they agreed to try to find something that would make him happy and make them happy more important. But they haven't found an offer like that, so you know if <laughs> If they don't find an offer like that, they're more than willing to have him in camp. And I think that's the preference. I think that's what they want. It's can they get him there? Can they get him on the same page?
1: Brian, I don't see, and you've been with them more, obviously, uh, over the past couple of seasons. But I don't see him. He's not a James Harden type in the sense of he's not going to say, I don't see him saying, I'm not coming to camp. You know what I mean? I don't see him saying that. He loves basketball too much. I see him as a guy that would come there and, you know, work it out until they found a way to trade him.
9: I would agree. Now, listen, I I hesitate to ever sit here and say, you know, I'm going to – I know what's in another grown man's head, right? Um, But I do judge things on past history, right? What you show me in your past. And everything in Kevin Durant's career and in conversations that I have had with him and in conversations that other people that know him have relayed is that that's not in his DNA. He's not just going to sit at home, put his feet up and say, nah, I'm good. I'm not playing. I'll hold out for six months. I'll hold out for eight months. That's just not what his history shows us he's willing to do and i think the nets are counting on that i think Mm -hmm. the nets are counting on the fact that he loves basketball and i don't think right now they are of the mind that he's unwilling to fulfill his contract and when i asked adam silver about this he says nobody has ever told me or even intimated to me that kevin Durant is unwilling to play he might have asked or requested for a trade and maybe at that moment he preferred to be somewhere else but He hasn't refused to play, and I think the Nets are counting on the fact that he will not refuse to play. And he has four years left on his contract. So if they don't get a great deal for him, or if he does not bring a great deal to them, then they fully expect that he'll be there in training camp.
1: Brian Lewis of the New York Post is my guest. You're listening to the Larry Hardesty Show here on 98.7 ESPN. Brian, before we talk about Kyrie Irving, let me ask you this. Why does Kevin Durant want to trade? It can't be money because he signed the deal. So it's not money. Is it, and it's almost inferred just for me that he didn't say publicly, it didn't come out. Let's put it this way. Publicly, it didn't come out that he wanted to be traded until after Kyrie signed. So is, is, is that, is it related with Kyrie or is it something else? Do we know?
9: We do not know. He has not said, and I will point this out. All four parties. Now, when I say four parties, I mean KD, Kyrie, uh, general manager Sean Marks, and the Nets owner, Joe Tsai. All four of them have done a good job of not saying anything crazy. None of them have said anything that's inflammatory, that they would have to walk back. You know, if all of these guys are in camp, nobody said anything that they're going to have to apologize for publicly. So all of them have to this point, either been quiet or taken the high road. Right? So, I don't know exactly what Kevin Durant's reasoning was, or his reasons were. And he hasn't been forthcoming with those, which is his right. Um, what I would say is this. Uh, there have been, and I hate to be that guy that's, oh, I have sources, but I can't tell you. <laughs> okay. I There have been things that have come to me that I can't it's not that I can't share. them; It's that I can't confirm them. So I mm-hmm. won't share. them.
1: Gotcha.
4: Mm-hmm.
9: Right. I, I mm-hmm. want to be clear. I'm not saying I know, but I won't tell anybody. <laughs> That's not <laughs> what I'm saying. <laughs> but people have two people have told me something and I can't confirm it with him, nor can I confirm it, nor have I been able to confirm it with Rich Kleiman and his business manager. Um, so therefore I'm not going to put it out there. Um, as far as how it relates to Kyrie, yeah, it's it's notable that the day after Kyrie opts in, he comes out with this trade request. Um, now, when I asked somebody close to Kyrie, they said that Kyrie wants to be here in New York. This is where he has every intention of playing for the Nets because he opted in. Um, and the implication was that Katie and Kyrie are supportive of each other they are close to each other. They are friends, but they are not necessarily tied at the hip. And this person said, I think when KD said he wanted to trade, he didn't say, I'm going to trade to where Kyrie goes. Right? He never demanded they be a package deal in this trade. So I, I would just take that for what it's worth.
1: Will uh, the Nets be able to make a move for Kyrie, do you think? I'm not not a gambling person. Uh, I don't bet. (laughs) I don't
9: like losing my money. Uh, But if I had to say, do I think it's more or less than 50% likely, it is probably more than 50% likely that Kyrie ends up elsewhere. And let's be frank, he really has one market at the moment, Mm -hmm. and that's the Lakers. Could somebody else talk themselves into it? Maybe. You know, if they miss out on KD, would then some contender like maybe Miami sniff around and say, yeah, I didn't get KD, but this guy brings me closer to a title? Yeah, maybe. But at the moment, he has one market. I think it is more likely than not that he eventually gets moved. That could be – I don't think – if it's not now, like in the next couple of days, I think it would drag on because I think a lot of these executives are going on vacation. Hmm. Um, But – I think it's more likely than not, especially when you consider that LeBron can start negotiating on his contract early next month. Now he can start putting real pressure on the Lakers to get something done. I could see that. I I could see Kyrie ending up in Los Angeles in August or September by camp, Mm -hmm. or if not, even early in the season. That's not impossible, but I do think he will be moved eventually.
1: Brian, I got one last question for you, and I'm kind of curious about this. Uh, Steve Nash, where, mm-hmm. how has this past season affected him? All the different rumors about, uh, you know, this happening and people having their own practices and struggles and their inability, you know, to do anything to win a game against Boston um, in the in the postseason. H- how does that affect him? Or does it affect him?
9: Well, if you're asking me, how does it affect his mindset? Listen, Steve Nash is as positive a person as you will ever meet. That is probably what allowed him to get through the season that they went through without developing high blood pressure and ulcers and everything else Mm -hmm. because he is unfailingly positive and upbeat. Now, Does it impact the way he coaches next year? Maybe. Is it possible that the team will try to shift a little bit? Now, they're always going to lean into player empowerment, but the fact of the matter is that that culture that they had, it didn't take a hit. It took seven or eight body blows and a headshot. Mm -hmm. So that's something that he and Sean Marks have been discussing and will probably continue to discuss and how they – drag that a little bit more into the middle, the meeting mm-hmm. so heavily toward one side. But, you know, as far as giving you specifics of how he's going to change things, I couldn't answer that, but I'm sure that there will be changes in the way he handles his team. There almost has to be. Yeah. And whether that's, whether that's changes in his coaching or whether that's changes in personnel, you know, that's what we have to see.
1: Uh, the interesting off-season will continue, my friend. <laughs> oh, yeah.
9: It's, uh, we're not running out of storylines.
1: No, no. You, this is not one of your issues. you always got to have something to write about. That's for sure. <laughs> and we'll <laughs> yes, keep so reading will. you. They will the, keep it. Go ahead.
9: No, I was going to say, they will keep me busy, which is, you know what, that's that's better than
1: idle. That's a good thing. Never want to be idle. And we'll keep reading you, Brian Lewis, in the New York Post. Thanks for a couple of minutes, my friend. We'll talk soon.
9: Oh, thanks. I appreciate you having me on. All
1: right. No problem. When we return, your thoughts on what's going on with the Nets. Do you think they'll move? Do you think Kevin Durant will be a net at the start of the season?
0: This is the Larry Hardesty Show on 98.7 ESPN.